Ricky, you know what used to happen back in the day when we were driving down the road drinking and the police pulled us over? Uh, you'd have a beer with them? Well, sometimes, but it depends on how bad you were. If you're bad enough and couldn't drive, they'd throw you in the police car and carry you home. That's how things have changed. Hold on to your butts. It's the Mast Cast. On this week's episode of the Mast Cast, former Cup Series driver Rick Mast and his non-driving son Ricky, a.k.a. me, talk about Chase Elliott's big win at Watkins Glen, momentum, and if it actually means anything, and uh, some other things that are in the news. The prodigal son has returned yet again to Virginia, that being me, at least for the weekend. I'm about to head back to Atlanta, but before I head back to Atlanta, I had to stop by your office here, Dad, so we could record the latest mass cast. I just wish that we had something to talk about. I mean, there was just the same old, same old with the race yesterday, another another boring, boring race with one of the same faces winning. Nothing in the news today on this Monday after the race. There's really nothing. I don't really know what we're supposed to sit here and talk about. Listen, Ricky, I got my phone. I got my cell phone set up right in front of this fancy mic you've got for me. And I'm sitting here on Twitter and social media. And I'm watching the news break as we speak. You know, we're normally not quite that on top of things, but I we need to be today. We're kind of right. We're recording right in the midst of some stuff happening and breaking here as we're, as we're talking. I mean, I don't... Yeah, we'll, I, let, we'll, we'll talk a little bit. Let this go to see how yeah. many more people file in. I don't want to lead. I don't want to lead with that, anyways. <laughs> no. I want to lead with the race yesterday. Exactly. And exactly. Chase, the, the number nine car, back in victory lane. Chase finally breaks through on his 99th attempt. I got all right. First of all, I got to tell you this. I did not realize this. I don't know how I did not this slip by me all these years. I had no idea until yesterday. The awesome Bill got his first win at a road course at Riverside back in '83. I think it was. I had no idea. He sure did. I I I I, it, I was kind of dumbfounded that I somehow managed to make it through all those years growing up in the sport, watching the sport, and somehow just did not know that. Wouldn't have ever guessed it. I just uh, I mean, it's pretty cool though that it all worked out that way. That Chase ended up getting his first win at a at a road course. But I mean. Uh, Gosh, what a day. What an exciting race. What a fun finish. What would you think? Just initial those, thoughts. Uh, back up a minute. What are those? I, I kept saying some of that stuff. Everybody's trying to say they wanted the same. They won in their, their same attempt and the same number of second place finishes. And I, Somebody said they, they both won in their 99th attempt and they both had eight or nine second place finishes. That might have been somebody crazy. Didn't know what they're talking about. I think the second place finishes one was right. But Clearly, not, we don't sit here and research our no, stats. But we, I'm pretty we, sure we, you're right about the, the second place one. I'm not sure about the that, the other part could be right, too, about the same number of starts. That'd be something if it was. I know the number nine sure was prominent in all these stats, yeah, which was, was pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's, a, it's the irony of all this stuff. I. You know, it goes back. I mean, my deal, go, of course, goes back with Bill way back. And Cindy, I never forget when I met uh, Chase's mom the very first time. The very first gig, my first big time gig was Skull, Patty Maycar, which is Ned uh, Jarrett's daughter, Dale Jarrett's sister, uh, Jimmy Maycar's wife. Mm-hmm. She was handling the PR for me, for my team, for the Skull team, the one Richard Jackson team. And. We went down that winter before I started, you know, when I first signed with him to start the 91 season racing for those guys. I went down to Charlotte in the winter and we did some uh, photo session, photo ops. And we go in this studio and Patty's in there, of course. And there's a lady in there taking pictures or doing the pictures with me. And that's Cindy. Okay. Then Cindy later on became Cindy Elliott, which is Chase's mom. So, you know, that whole thing goes back and with Bill and all that deal and, you know, you remember, I mean, everybody, everybody's been tweeting about it and on social media about it and pictures everywhere with, especially the famous picture with Chase sitting in Dale, Dale Sr.'s lap. That's such a cool picture. Yep. But everybody in racing, you know, thinks it's a neat deal because they all watched Chase grow up. Kind of the way it was when Junior came along. Everybody kind of watched Junior grow up, grow up in the garage area. So it's, it's kind of a special deal in the garage area for the folks. Now, I put out a thing. I think last night on Twitter that it was listening to all social media last night or after the race, it reminded me a lot of the way I remember being at Texas in 97, I think it was, and Dale Jr. won his first Xfinity race at Texas. And I remember in the garage area, everybody hooping and hollering and cheering. And it was, it, and you walked around the garage area when it was all over and everybody was talking about, do you see, do you see, uh, 
you see Earnhardt's boy? Did y'all see Earnhardt's boy? It was one of those deals, and it, it, you, you, it, I don't know. It's hard to explain other than it was a feeling that came across uh, that was going on in the garage area, right? A, a neat kind of kind of deal. Sure. Like here, you know, here we got hell. Here we got another Earnhardt coming now. He's going to be the next one. And on social media, it seems like the fans have taken the, the same kind of feeling that we had in the garage area and put that to Chase Elliott with his victory. So, and it's been a long time coming. I mean, there's no doubt, and everybody knew it would. You know, I was speaking with him and Mr. H, I think it was last year at Martinsville in the spring race, and I walked up and was just talking to him, you know, and Mr. H was talking about, you know, Rick, don't you think all I need to do just, I've been telling him all I need to do is just keep doing the same thing. And I said, oh, yeah, Chase, all you got to do, dude, your time will come. Just just stay after it. You know, don't change what you're doing. I said, you'll, 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 you'll win, and when you do, you'll start winning regularly. You're a good driver and good team. So, little surprising it took this long, but it goes back to what we talk about all the time with Jimmy Johnson not being a Jimmy Johnson problem, but a Hendrick Motorsports problem. And so, you know, he has he has that going against him a little bit for the last few months. But, man, they, they, kicked, butt, they, kicked, butt, they kicked butt at Watkins Glen. You know, watching that yet with you yesterday, I even said this, it was about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes after it had ended. When I kind of looked up and was like, you know what? I just, I was like, I just completely forgot that it had been a while since Hendrick Motorsports had won. I just, I guess I was so focused on the part of Chase finally broke through that in a way, this was like, man, Hendrick had been kind of fighting to break back through for a while, too. I mean, it was their 250th win, but it took, I forget, again, I didn't look up our numbers here. I want to say it was 36 races straight, which, I, depending on your perspective on things, you think, well, that's really not that that, that long in the grand scheme of things. But for that team and that organization, that's that's a really real that's a season, that's an eternity for that team to not win. So beyond Chase finally breaking through, that was a big deal for Hendrick to break through yesterday too. Well, it was, and that that to me, when the race was over and after we got over the excitement of Chase winning, I, that my my thoughts immediately went to Hendrick Motorsports and what we've talked about on Masscast so much and those guys being downtrodden. You know, that car, I mean, his car was fast. I mean, it, it wasn't a fluke win. I mean, at times, maybe the 18 may have been a tick better, but at times the 9 was a tick better, right? Then the 78, it looked like maybe he was a tick better, but then he wasn't. The 9 was a tick better. Uh, the 4 car, the big 3, we talked about the 4 car. He never really was in contention. But, you know, the car was doing things that, you know, you've got to have something going on with your chassis-wise and what you're doing with it to, 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 to enable the car to do what Elliot was doing with the car yesterday. So my point being, whatever was going on with the nine car at Watkins Glen, I, my hope is they found a little something that that can that can be transferred to the other cars and to the other racetracks. And it's all about handling. I mean, the cars the cars go in the turn. They they take a set. They get in the apex and they turn, and then you get in the gas. The the thing that everybody always fights is how good the car turns in the center, and then how quick and how hard can you get in the accelerator. And that's where those big three, you call them the big three, that's right, that one spot on that racetrack is where they've been dominating everybody. And at the road course, the car has to turn good at those, you know, it's some of the, it's not a high bank track, of course, but still the same thing carries over a little bit. And the hope is that maybe they were doing something a little bit different than the other Hendrick cars yesterday and, you know, it made the car set sail. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks if, Team Hendrick, the rest of them pick up the pace if they're better off of what went on at Watkins Glen with the nine. So that's interesting. So you're saying there are things you can pick up from a road course that you can carry over to a, your regular kind of speedways, ovals, short tracks. <laughs> I don't want to get into yeah, that whole debate no, again. No, not getting into that crap. No, but but there really is. There's there's legitimate things you can take out of a road course that, that you can carry over to a normal NASCAR style track. It is when you're it is when you're having trouble. You know, when you're so far out of the loop or you're not running good, your car's not turning good anywhere you go, whether it be Charlotte or it be Richmond, right? You know, or, or Martinsville or any track. There's some things that do carry over. Yeah, the road course is a different beast. It's a whole different animal. you got to attack it different. You set the car up different. do all those things different. But still, the car has to do the exact same thing. It still has to get slowed down. It has to turn through the apex when it's loaded the heaviest. And then you have to be able to get in the gas hard. And, and, and the car accept the acceleration or the rear tires accept the acceleration. So, you know, uh, yeah, there are, there are things that carry over. There's no doubt. Is this something that, I mean, I know the Roval that we're going to later this season, that's, this is kind of the first time out with that, but is this now, 
How much of what we saw at Watkins Glen do you think can carry over into the Roval? I know the Roval is just its own kind of beast because you still got banking and everything. But, I mean, I would assume there's still some things you could take from there that you could definitely apply to the Roval. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the, you're not going to be ta- – the way they got the Roval set up, you're not going to be – how can I say it? You're not going to be 10 tenths in the turns on the high banks, Ricky. You're coming out of – you're going into turn one just getting up to speed going into turn one. So, you, when they come out of the Roval to hit turn one, you're just getting up to speed. So you're going through the gears in turn one and two, uh, going through the gears, just getting up to speed. Right. So you're not, you know, you're not, Hallen's not really going to come into play. And then in the backstretch, don't they have a chicane at the end of the backstretch? They do. So you're going to not going, you're not going to be going into turn three, like you would normally there. So you're going to be the whole, the whole, it looks to me like anyhow, and I, I've not even seen it personally, but just watched it on video. It looks to me like all the speed is going to be in the infield. That's where all your speed is going to come from, the infield. So that's that's nothing but just flat road course stuff. Yeah. So whatever goes on at Sears Point, Sonoma, Infineon, whatever that place yeah, is, whatever, whatever is. goes on there in the yeah. Glen, it, it'll carry over at Charlotte. Yeah, I uh, I think it's interesting. I've seen, I know Kelly Crandall had tweeted this out. I forget which poll it was she she was referring to, but I saw a poll out there that she, put, she was talking about where fans were, I believe it was, what is the fans like most, what, what style racing do they want to see more of or their favorite racetrack, something favorite style racing right now currently in NASCAR. And oddly enough, as much as we talk about more short tracks and all that, the number one answer on that particular poll was more road courses and they like the road courses. And it's funny because I know when, when you were driving and I was around the sport, that I mean, the road courses were kind of fun because it was something different, but I wasn't ever thinking that the racing was all that much better or clamoring for more of it. But now that I'm just much more of a fan on the side, that's, that's the fan side of things. And I watched the Xfinity series go up to uh, you know, the, the track in Canada, Road America, Mid-Ohio, whatever. I found myself kind of wanting a little bit more of, of that in the Cup series. I wouldn't mind some more road course racing. So what what are your thoughts on I mean, do you think that's kind of... You're old school. I mean, I think I am too. But is that sacrilegious to want more road course racing? Ricky, it, it's at some point you have to you 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 got to pay attention to the fans and you got to listen to them. And you got to kind of give them what they want. But at the same time, you can't let the inmates run the asylum. Right. Okay. When we when the trucks ran out of door a couple of weeks ago, that's all we heard on social media. Is right. that's what we got to have. We got to have dirt tracks. We got to have dirt tracks. Dirt tracks. Dirt tracks. Now we have one heck of an exciting race at Watkins Glen, and now all of a sudden we got to have road courses, got to have road courses, got to have road courses. Now, yeah, mind you, every when we leave some of these other tracks that we'll talk about, you don't hear them saying we got to have more tracks like this. Some of the tracks you mentioned, some of the some of the mile and a half, or some of the cookie cutters, you don't really hear fans clamoring. We got to have more of that. So I, I, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I, I go along with that and I understand it. Uh, <clears throat> the road course thing, you know, if you really, really, really love road courses, you know, maybe you need to watch IndyCar more. I mean, I don't, yeah. you know, well, that's not really what I mean either. But, uh, you know, it's again, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the dirt thing. It's a, you know, you, you run two of them a year, you run two road courses a year, and they're usually pretty good friggin' races, pretty exciting to watch on TV. So if you add another half a dozen, then does the novelty of the road course wear off? I don't know about that. But I don't, you know, I, I, I honestly, after watching uh, Sears Point and, and Watkins Glen, I, you could probably add a couple more. You could add a Road Atlanta. Uh, you know, well, heck, we got a, we got tons of them. I'm not yeah. going to mention all of them, but you could add a couple more and probably be okay. Well, all right, so first of all, in, in defense of, of, of both of us here on the, the one point, your original point about Eldora, listen, I love the Eldora race as much as anybody. But I think we both said on that on that show, I have to go back and listen to it to verify, but I'm pretty sure we both said on that show that we both think that should just be, the dirt Trucks. thing should be just that one race, and that's it. Maybe if you want to run Xfinity one time or dirt try, okay, that's fine. My big thing with when we were going into that was, like, if you're going to go for special events like that, then I want the Cup Series at a short track like South Boston or something like that. If you're going to go that route, I don't want the, the dirt thing. That should just be that, that one event every year. Maybe Xfinity. Just my opinion that that shouldn't be more than that. Now the road course thing. Here's here's one thing I've thought about <clears> with this. We've talked about like if people don't they don't like the the cookie cutters, mile and a half, blah blah blah. If you don't like that, but at the same time we've got agreements in place with a lot of these tracks, and you don't want to take away dates, and we're definitely not going to take away dates at least for the next couple of years until the current agreement runs out. 
let's say this Roval race at Charlotte is a huge success. We have a great race. People are into it. People are digging it. And I don't know. I know the drivers haven't liked the testing there very much so far, but uh, you know they'll they'll come around hopefully. But let's say we have a good race there. What if instead of as nice as it would be to add other venues into it into the schedule, but let's say we just can't do that. We got to stick with the current venues that we have. What if we change another couple places to Rovals? Maybe we change. Uh, you don't want to change it like no, taking. Hey, hell no, no. Man. Why not? Go, you, ahead, go ahead. You go don't ahead. want to change. Like why? Well, no. I brought this up to you the other day, and you shot okay. it down. But I'm gonna bring it up here again. <laughs> right. What if people complain about? Listen, I I want to leave Pocono. I love that family that runs that place. They always treated us well. I like Pocono. Love the area. Don't want to see Pocono lose a date. But I know that would be a candidate to lose a date, probably, if we were gonna if they started changing the schedule. What if instead of them losing the date, what if you took one of those dates and did you a roval envil like a road course roval kind of deal at Pocono? And also maybe that would help with the fact that those two dates are so close to each other at Pocono. What if you changed one of those dates to a, a roval course at Pocono? Yeah, if you're gonna lose one, yeah, if you're gonna lose one and at least keep it with do a roval. As I told you the other day, Rick, the problem with Pocono is you couldn't do it there because of fact. Well, it'd be for a TV race only because the fans couldn't see it. The way the grandstand's set there and the way the infield's laid out, I don't think it's the fans set high enough up to see what's going on in the infield if, you, if you're running through the infield on a road course. I don't think it would work for the fans. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't believe that to be true. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe some other courses you could do that, but man, leave us. We got, we got frigging road courses, Rick. We got road courses all over the all over the country. We can run at. We don't need to mess up another track. You know, I'm, I've been trying to reserve myself because normally when things happen, you know, when we got these new things coming up, I learned years and years and years ago, man. You know, to to reserve judgment on something that's happening until you see what the results are. You know, and it's just like a deal at Charlotte. You know, everybody's touting it to be a good deal. I'm just not going to step out on that limb right now. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to give in to the temptation of thinking this is going to be an exciting deal. I just don't believe that to be at this point. Now, I'm hoping that it is. I hope that it comes back and everybody's talking about it on Monday mornings at water coolers. But, you know, we just have to see. It's going to draw excitement. It, it'll be exciting to watch and see what goes on. Maybe it'll be the best thing that ever happened to Charlotte. But, I, you know, I'm just reserving judgment on that. Yeah, no, and I'm listen. If I have my listen, if I really have my druthers, I would change things to where again I'm putting <clears> South <throat> Boston on the schedule, and I'm putting I'm picking probably that the Canadian Motorsports uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. I'm butchering the name of another racetrack, but y'all know what I'm talking about up there in Canada, where where Xfinity and trucks have run. I would put places like that on the schedule. <clears throat> I was just thinking more in terms of in the closer future where you can't really change venues at all. If you wanted to change up the schedule a little Just bit without being able to change yeah. venues, that yeah. if yeah. the Roval is a success, and again, there's you. a whole lot of ifs here, but if if it worked out, maybe that's one thing you could try a little bit of. Just one or two other places. See you might be on the forefront, Rick, because I tell you what, if we go to Charlotte and that thing becomes an exciting event, you know, if everybody loves it, it's very, very exciting and everybody's talking about it, then you've, you're on to something because then a couple other tracks could do that instead mm -hmm. of losing an event. So, yeah, I understand where you're, what you're saying. You know, I, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. See. Yeah, have we'll see, see how it goes. Have to see. All right. Well, back to Chase real quick. Yeah, first yeah. of all, I was thinking, <clears throat> I got to thinking. Well, it made me feel old. First of all, because I literally remember seeing him. I mean, Cindy carrying him around as a baby. First, literally carrying him around like as a newborn baby at the racetrack back in the day. First of all, so that made me feel a little old. And then I remember him seeing him being pushed around in a stroller at the racetrack <laughs> in the motorhome lot, and that made me feel old. Uh, but, but. How cool was it? By the way, I'm going back to Atlanta after we record this today, and I got I, I, I got to tell you, I'm not kidding either. I'm thinking about maybe on my way in might be a good time this evening to start. <laughs> okay, hang damn, on. Damn. Hang on. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, former Cup Series driver Rick Mass is sitting here, and he's just sitting here playing with a pen while he's waiting for me to finish what I'm talking about. And he's sitting here messing with it, and he broke the thing off, broke part of the pen off, and it shot back and hit him in the face. Well, Ricky, I'm irritated, but the reason is I'm sitting here looking at a registration card. Here are this little lot. I've got a little commercial lot here in Lexington. Yeah. We've got some some businesses in here. It was a car been sitting in here, for, or a pickup's been sitting on this lot for about five weeks now, and I didn't realize it, and the guy's here. Anyhow, come find out. We don't even know whose car or whose vehicle it is, but I got the registration out of it. I'm sitting here looking at the registration. We had the police check it. It's not reported stolen. It's not anything, but nobody has any idea why the thing's sitting here, but it's taking up space 
So I was sitting here looking at this registration of this pickup, and I was getting irritated with it, and I stretched the pin too tight and broke the pin. So that's what that's that's the reason for the pin breaking. So you just the, <clears throat> that title just showed up. That registration no, card we just showed up. No, the truck is unlocked, and I got the registration out of the truck. Oh. Yeah, so I'm not going to give their names out, but it's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, as I say, I'm reading the back of it here. I'm on the other side of your desk. It says, says the whole thing of spiel about the uh, the Pennsylvania littering law back yeah. there. So, huh. Well, we had the police check it. It's it's not stolen or anything. I'm not. Anyhow, I'm not yeah. sure what that's about. But what, what were you talking about? I was saying that maybe this would be a good time on my way home, or not home, oh, back yeah. to Atlanta this evening to stop by the Dawsonville pool room. Oh, this yeah. seems like, a, I mean, last night was probably the time to be there, but I'm yeah. willing to bet that the party's going to be going on there. At least through today, probably the rest of the week would be my guess. So, I'm I'm just thinking that maybe this would be a good time. Did you see the video of uh, of the of the siren? Oh going yeah, off down the siren. Yeah, Isn't I that did. cool? You know what was weird? I, the last couple of years, a couple of these races, Chase was leading towards the end, and I'd get on Twitter, man. I was like, all right, guys, fire up the old siren, right? Mm-hmm. And yesterday, I kept thinking, man, I don't want to jinx this poor boy because every time I say that, something happens. But I said, to hell with it. I'm going to put it out there. I said, oil it up, guys. Oil up the siren. So, yeah, the video came out. <laughs> the siren was going on. I'll tell you another cool videos out there. It was put out by some some northern Georgia news agency, and they were at the airport mm-hmm. or the air hangar where Bill keeps his planes and all, and they were there. Elliott Field, by Elliot the way. Field, by of the course, way. Yeah. Of course it is. Of course it is. You know, Bill, he's big in aviation. Yes, he, he is. He and Ernie always were. Uh, and now Chase is following suit. But they, but anyhow, they they had the thing that it showed the play was dark. It showed them landing, you know, and, and taxing into the, you know, to the hangar at the FBO, and they got out, and the news reporters were there, and all the people. It must have been two or three hundred people there, man. To, Looked like to it. greet them. And there it probably it, wasn't a light on left, left light on left anywhere in uh, in Dawsonville. I think every the whole town was there. From I tell you, the minute. coolest part, you know, for whatever reason, Cindy wasn't at the racetrack, and you know, your mom, my wife was asking me. I was telling her that Cindy wasn't there. She's, oh, man, his first victory. I hate that. I said, well, you know, sure, for some reason, a lot of the wives ended up not going to Watkins Glen. For us. It was that way when we were driving. For yeah. Whatever reasons, you'd go up there with your motorhome and you was by yourself. You didn't have your wife with you. But anyhow, I thought it neat when they were showing uh, Chase got off the plane. He had his entourage with him, of course. And then I think Bill also, he was the last one getting off the plane. I'm sure he was piloting it. And the camera swung around, and it showed chase there talking and his mom cindy was with him hugging him and going on and it kept you know the camera stayed on that a good little while and she just kind of hung with 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 chase and i'm thinking cindy you got a husband over here bill you might want to go say hi to the boy you know and i'm like yeah that's that's where husbands stack up in the grand scheme of things ricky yeah i was sitting there i was sitting there watching that thinking man this is this is too cool yeah. this is too funny i love that the, i think the first guy off the plane was young ryan blaney i believe which was that to me just it was it was too funny to me because blaney i guess they fly together usually <clears throat> or, or whatever i don't know how that works out but blaney just went ahead i mean he just they landed in dawsonville as far as i could tell so, so ryan blaney was there with them and you was sure that party. was blaney it looked like it him. Sure, did look like him, didn't? It? I saw that long haired uh, guy. I think it was. Is he done? He's letting his hair grow again now, right? It must be. All right, unless I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. I, uh, I just assume. I just assumed that was. Well, right it may have been. I don't know who it was. But he, I saw that. I saw that dude too, and I'm like, man, he's pretty. He's pretty chipper, right? So I bet that's who it was. Now you got me questioning myself. Now I'm gonna go back through Twitter here because uh, I'm wondering, am I am I wrong? Uh, I don't want to be spreading. I just finally cleared up the friggin' thing from Dover and Kenny Wallace, and when I said I, I thought he threw up at yeah. Dover in that time, and just, I was that was a month later. Yeah, yeah it was a couple months pretty, later. I dug yeah. that up. I was he didn't actually throw up. He was on the verge of getting sick, according to the Roanoke Times. I said it was Winston Cup scene. I said that Kenny Wallace threw up at Dover his rookie year, yeah. and that you looked over and said. Um, Said, I remember those days. I remember those days, yeah. I had to remember those days part right. I had the Dover part right. I had that it was Kenny. I had that it was his rookie year. I did not have the publication right, and I falsely said that he threw up. I was wrong well, about that. So. No, it was still cool. I mean, they yeah. they showed the video, the siren going off, and the whole deal. It's yeah. just, uh, it's America. You know what it is, Ricky? It's Americana, man. Yeah. It's what I talk about in NASCAR. And I always said this in the '90s and 2000s when I was there. It's like it's like to me when you look up and see these hordes of fans. I'm like, I don't get it because if everybody knew us drivers well. I know us, it wouldn't be that big a deal. And it kind of dawned on me over a period of time. This is Americana. This is like the last part of Americana in this in this country, in yeah. my opinion. Everybody kind of relates to it and all. And you go back to the deal like with Chase and his dad and 
the upbringings and where they live and how they conduct themselves and what goes on. It's just like, you know what, people people can relate to that. People love that. They just love that type of family atmosphere and, and the, the way they project themselves, the way they handle themselves, conduct themselves, you know, their upbringings and where they live and how they live. It's just something that, in my opinion, race fans can relate to. And that's why he's probably going to be the most popular driver for the next 20 years. Yeah. You know, because people relate to him. Speaking of relating to stuff, I was thinking back, especially I'm sitting right here now in your office, which this building that we're sitting in now where your office sits today was built in, what, 97, <clears throat> 98, late 90s, right. which is where your office is now. But I'm looking directly out the window, and the buildings I'm looking at that are uh, next to us here was your Bush Grand National Shop back in the 80s and on into 1990. And then when you ran the part-time Bush deal for Skoll, when you were full-time in Cup, it was also based out of this shop. And I was just well, thinking about Chase showing back, showing up back home in Dawsonville last night for the win. I kind of got flashing back a little bit after you had picked up some wins in the Xfinity series. I remember coming back here to the shop, and there'd be people leave stuff for you, or that next Monday morning or whenever there'd be people stopping by, and the trophy would be here, and there'd be congratulatory cards or whatever. I mean, it's it's. I, it yeah. just, to me, it was that kind of that cool thing of like your hometown is like your hometown is is always just. When somebody from your hometown makes it or goes out there and makes the hometown proud and still represents the hometown, that feeling, I think, of coming back to the hometown after you do something like that, that connection you have, it's hard to it's hard to describe it, but, man, it's just so friggin' cool, like the, the connection you have to your roots. And especially when you come from a small town and how hard everybody pulls for you when you're in that show and they want you to make it and they want you to win. When you're able to come back after you've accomplished something and they're all still there waiting for you and they're – you get to celebrate it with them. It's kind of, yeah. it's harder to, you're just talking about Americana. It's harder for me to think of a cooler feeling than that. You know? Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Local they boy sh- makes yeah. good, you know. They sure did. I forgot about those days, Rick. We rolled back in here after a good Bush victory. Mm-hmm. And the people would all be here and come by and all that. But think yeah. about it. Do you remember, what do you remember about after your first one at Dover in 87? Because I know, I had to dig through your old scrapbooks, by the way, to find that article I was talking about with the Kenny Wallace deal so I could clear that up. So I got to scrolling through some of those old, scrapbooks that Meemaw put together for you years ago. And it was kind of cool seeing the, the Dover one after your first Xfinity win, Bush win. Like the, 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 there were pictures of you there in your office that Monday morning, and they were talking about all the calls and stuff you'd gotten and congratulatory. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you remember much about the coming back? You no, know, I really don't, to be honest with you. I just remember everything happening after that. I'll tell you, the neatest thing that happened, I had tried and begged, and I had done everything I could do to try to get people to help us, you know, uh, I'd set myself up and I got everybody knew me at the racetrack, all the, all the different manufacturers, our whole deal. I couldn't get anybody to give me anything. Right. Right. I won Dover. The next week we go to Martinsville and win that. And a month after those two victories, I got a full blown engine deal from Buick motor company. I got a, a full blown Goodyear tire deal from Goodyear for tires. Uh, got a full blown deal from the shock company at that time called pro shocks all my shocks provided and I'm thinking, okay, you can do all this stuff and be good and nice and everybody loves you and do all that all you want to. But in order to get stuff, you've got to win. I'm like, Oh, that's what this is all about. You win, you get free crap. Right. So that's what that was. But yeah, that was, I don't remember particulars, but I remember, you know, each time it seemed like there was always a lot of people here to congratulate us. So that was cool. And again, you know, how many, how many, if you look at that deal with the Elliot's last night, when they landed, you know, how many other drivers go home and have that happen to them, right. you know, right after a victory. That's a little bit different because they're still at home. Yeah. You know, a lot of the guys now are based or live in Charlotte that, that come from California or Midwest or whatever. So it's not, you know, that it's not really coming home uh, when they get back. So that, that, that plays a little bit into it. Yeah. I mean, geographically speaking, Dawsonville, Georgia is a lot closer to Charlotte. It's <laughs> easier to anchor yourself there. Well, it's kind of like with you. It's easier That's to anchor right. yourself in Virginia because <clears throat> you never left, never, never right. moved to Charlotte because That's Charlotte right. is a three hour car ride That's right. away from here. So it's not, or, or a 30 minute plane ride if, if you want, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's, it is a little easier. That That's true. But do still, they you can't the, take it. Don't take it. But you can't take anything. Let me ask you this: Do they serve food at the Dawsonville Pool Hall? Do you know? I don't know, but I bet you they do. Don't most places? If they don't, they should be today. Oh, I would think so. Yeah, that's yeah. got to be a popular spot. I bet you it's bustling. It's at two o'clock already. <clears> but I bet you it's bustling for for lunch all and dinner all day today. Supper, excuse I me. I even saw yeah. on Facebook of friends with uh, uh, 
Ernie's wife on Facebook, Ernie being Bill's brother, everybody knows Ernie, mm-hmm. and uh, good good friends of mine, Ernie, and you know they were talking about sitting in the chair and about having her and her and Ernie both about having a heart attack and you know waiting for it, and then it, it takes me back to Ernie's deal with people probably don't remember that a lot of folks don't know about this, but Ernie had a son. It's going to be, it looked like, his name was Casey, and it looked like he was going to be a hell of a race car yes, driver. Yes, he did. And that was back, you know, early on, and Casey was uh, kind of short, tearing up his short tracks down there, and they were grooming him to, you know, get on up to be a cup driver, and uh, I guess he got a, he got, he, we lost him. He, he he ended up with cancer, and we lost him, and it was a, it was a very sad time for Ernie and his wife, and well, actually, it was a sad time in motorsports because a lot of the folks, again, a lot of the folks in the garage area knew, you know, knew Casey, knew Ernie. If you didn't know him personally, you knew about him, but you knew him because of Ernie and Bill and, and those guys. So, <clears throat> you know, just, just I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just, a, for me personally, it's just a neat-ass deal, man, for Chase to start winning now. It's just, I've been waiting on it. You know, I knew, I knew kind of how I would feel about it when it started happening, and, and it's true. I just have this overwhelming joy about him winning and just to, you know anxious to see how many more he's going to get i thought it was pretty cool too and when he got in victory lane <clears throat> yesterday the number of other drivers that were that were there to congratulate him i mean i'm going to leave out some but i'm sure because i can't remember them all but i mean kyle it was Bush half the field it was half the field Bubba and and um, yeah it was it was, half, it was the half the field it was very very cool to see that i think yeah. that's indicative of of how he's 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 regarded by his fellow competitors wouldn't you say i mean they were there to do that for show it is and i remember i do th- the one thing you brought up dover i do remember th- that that about dover when i won dover you know by the time we left that racetrack that evening i guess just about for the most part every driver you know a lot of them came up to victory lane with us you know and just congratulating and throughout the garage so even had some cup people come over right yeah. at the dover deal so that 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 makes you feel good i mean you know you know, everybody knows you're a tough competitor and they're going to try to beat you. You're going to try to beat them and you do what you got to do to win. But at the same time, there's respect there that goes on. And, and that's something like with Chase, that's something that's not given to you. That's something, that's something you have to earn in that garage area. It's just not, you know, it's just not you come in there and win a race and everybody loves it that you won. That don't happen. You know, right. you have to earn that. And they're not so, all going to be going down there and do that. It's like, oh, because he's going to be popular and it's good no, for the no, sport. No, None no, of that. They don't no, care about any of that no, crap. We might no, care about that as yeah. far as the health of the sport, yeah. but the competitors don't care yeah. about it. They're not going to go down there and do that unless they actually care no. enough about him or like him enough, or respect him enough and all that to actually that go down his, there and do it. Yeah, that was his first win. He wins next week. They're all going to be cussing. They're not going yeah. to be, they're not going to be congratulate. It kind of, it's kind of like when Earnhardt finally won the 500, the whole garage area was there, you know? And, yeah. Ten years before that, everybody in the garage area is ready to whip him, you know. So yeah. it's just it's a respect, it's totally a respect thing. Is what it amounts to. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> that is interesting with Earnhardt because it was by that point he had earned that respect to where it, yeah the, oh, the yeah. five hundred happened. You say ten years before that, I'm gonna say I don't even think it was ten years. Well, it was just, probably it, not. It was just it probably wasn't not. wasn't too wasn't <clears throat> a few years before that yeah. everybody was still ready to whoop him. <laughs> I think by that point, by the time he won that five hundred, and he wasn't winning quite as much, and Gordon was winning all the time, that I think he. I think, yeah, the respect had set in and everything. Yeah, but, yeah. but uh, yeah, so the fellow competitors congratulated <laughs> the friggin' him running out of gas with Jimmy Johnson having to back up and push him. That, that, that's one of those things to me, you couldn't have scripted that any better. I loved that. I'll be honest, take, give me that every time over somebody doing more donuts and burnouts and stuff. Just oh, to, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know you can't make it work that way, but I just thought that was cool. Not only does he run out of gas and need a push, but of all people to push him, Jimmy Johnson, seven time champion teammate i mean that to me was just that was too cool i, I mean I, I couldn't have scripted that any better and then the last lap we hadn't even delved into the last lap no. much what happened to all right so they go down into turn one there well now let me back up lap okay. before last next to last lap truex makes a little mistake and you think mm-hmm. okay all chase has to do basically here now is hit his marks and he's got this junior even said it martin made that made that little mistake and junior said all right if he just just races a clean lap here he's got it he's right. got it in the bag gets down into turn one and i didn't even realize it at first i guess because of the camera angle but you i'm sitting there in the living room with you watching and you go whoa chase whoa and there he, he took it a little came in a little too hard is that what happened there? yeah he wheel hopped it getting into one and <clears throat> i try to explain to people nobody understands how hard it is to do what he did especially the last 10 laps when he couldn't shake truex and truex was right on him and you're thinking all right 
Chase is conserving a little bit of fuel. Truex is conserving a little bit of fuel. So at some point, they both got to run hard. So who's holding who? Who's holding back just a little bit? Well, it looked to me like with like ten laps to go, both of them went balls to the wall and weren't weren't holding any fuel back. And that's when Truex moved up on him a little bit. And I'm like, boy, it's going to be tough. And, and Chase never, never messed up. And I got to tell you, that's a very, very hard thing to do. It's probably harder at a road course than anywhere. Yeah. A, a regular track, you know, you just do what you got to do. And it's pretty easy or simpler. But a road course, you got all the stuff, you're breaking zones, you're shifting zones, slowing down at the right time, getting in the gas at the right time, feathering the gas the right way, and all 100 different things you got to do in each lap. To not mess up, and that, I'm telling you, that, that boy did it. They did it the whole ten laps or twenty laps, really, and never messed up to the last lap when it was the least amount of pressure on him. And you would think, though, because if you remember what happened the lap before, Truex was on Chase pretty hard to go through the chicane. Truex loses it, right? Or not lose it, but he he gets off a little bit. And and when that happens, they go through through the chicane. Truex gets it back, gathered back up. Well, Chase is gone. And like, all right, now all you got to do is come back to the to the white, come back to start finish line, get the white, and you got one lap to make and just ease up just a tick, you know, and not make any mistakes. You got this race one. Well, he takes the white or he takes the white flag if one to go, goes down in one, and he wheel hops. But wheel hop means you, you're going in the turn as hard as you can go. You're getting on the brakes as hard as you can go. And when the tires get hot, the track gets slick. It what it does it wheel hops the rear tires. In other words, you get on the you're trying to you're getting in too deep. You're getting on the brake too hard, and it tries to lock up the rear wheels. And what they do, they just start bouncing. And uh, you know he had the presence of mind to throw it out of gear, which is a, a very very experienced driver type of thing that you wouldn't have thought that he he would have thought instinctively to do that. But when he threw it out of gear, it got the rear and settled down. They quit hopping. You know, and he got it back in gear and got through the turn and got going and and didn't lose first place. Of course, Truex got crossed up also at the same point, but his was in the gas. It wasn't wheel hopping. So you're thinking, well, why? <coughs> Excuse me, folks. That was a cough. You're thinking, well, why? If he had that big lead at that point, why Why does that happen? We, it's not the way you do as a driver. As a driver, the guy's still back there, and if you don't do 10 tenths, everything you're trying to do, you're the guy's going to pass you right so it's just you know and you think about what caused that well what caused it was maybe five feet later on the racetrack breaking from what he'd normally been doing right or 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 10 feet in other words if he breaks at a certain spot gets out of the gas and breaks well this particular time he went 10 feet past that and there's no marks you don't really know it's all a feel thing it's a judgment thing when you get out of the gas and how, how hard you have to break to get into the next turn so you know, the last 20 laps he faltered. I only saw one time, and that was that deal, and he was able to overcome it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was just uh, – <clears throat> I think Kyle Busch said it best. He's been here, what, two and a half years mm-hmm. and drove that thing like a very, very experienced veteran. Mm-hmm. And that's just talent more than, than experience, you know, which we've all known that that, that uh, Chase is very talented. We knew that before he got in the cup. At least that's what I kept hearing from a couple of folks that I really, really – pay attention to and they told me he was a real 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 deal and uh he's proven that yeah so i think uh well first of all wouldn't it have been, i think i even said to you yesterday wouldn't it after it was over with wouldn't it have been something if uh you know if chase had had lost that spot to martin in in the first turn there and then martin would have, was going to run out of gas anyway so chase would have won as it all turned out chase, wouldn't that have been something too i mean the finish was great enough as it was it's just it's funny how that that could have turned out well, let me ask you something then, because you said that's the one little mistake he made, and he did. He drove a hell of a race, earned the victory. Do you think that maybe that mistake could have been caused by the fact that Martin had made the mistake the lap before and then wasn't on his wasn't yeah. quite there? And so the pre- yeah. you say the pressure is off, yeah. but it's it changes like the thing it you've does. been doing every lap or every turn for the last twenty laps. Now all of a sudden, just changes. All right, again, you know, y'all know me because I'm working baseball. I like to make baseball analogies. I liken it a little bit to. In baseball, you've got your closer, which for those of you who don't know, he's your relief pitcher. He's the guy in a close game that you're leading by a run or two. He comes in and pitches the ninth inning to win it for you. He's your most dominant relief pitcher. And usually if he's your closer, if he's established himself as your closer, he's pretty reliable. He's not going to blow many games. But let's say that you go through a few game stretch where he hadn't been able to come in and pitch because it's either been blowouts one way or the other. 
It's just been a little while. Well, relief pitchers need to, you don't want them pitching every day, but you don't want them going a week or two without pitching either. So let's say he comes into a game where you're either, you're up by a bunch of runs, right? Just because he needs some work. Oftentimes, I've seen it happen, I don't know how many times, that is the time when a closer will end up giving up runs. When it's not that close, very high-intense situation, like high-intensity situation where everything's on the line, where their mindset's just not the same as it usually is for the role, and that tends to be where they get a little sloppy and give up some runs. I just wonder if that's that kind of that same mindset. It's just a, you're so programmed and trained to be doing one thing, then all of a sudden it kind of changes on you. Maybe that that causes you to make mistakes. Just your yeah, your mindset. could could very well, could very well be. Yeah, I mean, there's no. Yeah, that, that's pretty good, Ricky. I mean, you 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 put something on me that I never really thought about, and you know what? You might be exactly right about that. Yeah, you could be. And exactly I'm not being right critical of Chase it, well, either, because that's everybody. No, everybody not, does it. And we're not being critical at yeah. all, but you're exactly right. It does change that. If I mean, it, you know, especially if you got a big old lead coming down the last five laps, the worst thing you can do is sit there and listen to your race car. And I've done it, man. You'll you'll you've got the race in the bag, and all of a sudden you'll start hearing noises and vibrations and. You're thinking, what's going on? So you try to change up a little bit what you've been doing the whole race that got you there, you know, because of something that might be going on. But you're not pressured. You're not pressured by somebody else. So, you know, he was under the most intense pressure you could be under for 20 laps. And then and within a half a lap, all that pressure went away. So you could you could very well be right. Well, I have to ask him about that sometime. We get him on MassCast. Yeah. We'll ask him. Well, let me ask you something. Because you, you, right, you, we, since we talked about Dover and we're talking about that, that whole scenario playing itself out. Now, it took you, I don't know how many years from when you first started racing Xfinity slash Bush Series. You've been in it for quite a while. You made quite a few starts before you finally broke through and won your first one. Now, And then you went on and won your second one the very next week at Martinsville. The pressure you felt, or maybe, I don't know, I don't want to assume you what you felt, but was the mindset a little bit different? Let's say the last five laps at Dover for that first win, then the next week, the last five laps at Martinsville. Were you not quite hearing as many vibrations and listening quite as much the next week because you'd already won one, you'd already broke through? Was it? Did it change it at all? I don't or think, no? no, it didn't that week. It did later on in my career. Once you got a few more wins, yeah, you okay. get, get a few more wins. It it did change, but the very next week, you know, we were still, man, we were still reeling from the victory seven days before that from okay. Dover, and still happy about that. And here we look up, and all of a sudden, we're leading this race at Martinsville, and got a chance to win that. And and uh, but no, that pressure was the same. It didn't change. But later on, as as time went on with more victories, it it did change. There, there's no doubt about it. You just become you just become smarter with your emotions, and I, that's. That's one. That's one part of racing that you know, that that I don't know if it gets talked about a lot as a driver. But you, as a driver, you know, intelligent drivers just you, know, you got to be. You got to have God-given talents to know what you're doing and be able to drive naturally. But if you got two guys that are like that, and one's a lot more intelligent than the other, and the one that's more intelligent is going to win. Yeah. That's just the way it is. I mean, that's. A, I know on Basscast we bring up the Fred Earnhardt name so much I get sick of talking about that name. But <laughs> you know, he was so instrument is so big at our sport, but. You know, Dale was Dale was a he was a very <laughs> intellectual dude, and I know people think, "What the hell are you talking about, intellectual?" The guy was smart. Right. I mean, just intellectually, the the dude was smart, and he and he, he was smart on the racetrack. Now he he was rough and tumble and all that stuff, but you know, the experience. I mean, there, there's a, there's a all drivers have this. These lines crawl cross. You have your ability, whatever that is, but then you have the intelligence, and you have the experience, and you have the age, and all those lines intersect at different points it's in, in each driver's career and when all those lines intersect at one time that's when your driver's at the peak right and then you know age will start slowing you down and experience will keep you going for a while so you know then intelligence level you has that that'll help but you know you, you just to drive one of these race cars and win especially in that at that level man you've you you got to be smart you just you just you just got to think about it. and there's a you know there's a couple drivers out there right now that uh you know that were very very always been very very fast in the first at this to this point first half of the career everybody knew they were winners and they, were, they could win championships but they weren't going to ever win a championship until they started thinking better right and uh well I, i'll tell you right now kyle bush is one of them you know when kyle first came in i mean my god that boy's talented and fast but he just you know every race he wasn't thinking properly you know and he just caused so many problems and instead of being in the top five or second or third, he'd be in the garage area on a hook, mm -hmm. you know, on a wrecker. And it, it took him a it took him a long time 
to to get to the point where I felt like he could be a championship contender year in, year out. And he finally did that. He crossed that point. That line intersected, right? And he figured a lot of that stuff out. But, you know, just, just natural ability alone doesn't do it. And, you know, the intelligence and the experience, it all, it all adds up. It all figures in there. All right. So let me ask you this then because I'm uh, – Trying to figure out how to how to put all this. Let me together. let me let me go oh, back. I'm not okay, saying okay. I'm not saying Kyle Kyle Bush is not intelligent. I, oh I, I yeah, come yeah, across no, no, that no. way. I'm just saying you have to really think and, and commit yourself mentally to what you're doing in, in these race cars in order to be able to do more than just win races, and that is to contend for championships. Right. No, that's fair. I think that's very fair. It's not saying that. I listen. I we've praised you. Think you say whatever you want about Kyle Bush. Is to me, he's still probably the most talented guy. Oh yeah. God given talented guy out there and best driver out there. Personally, yeah. you can like him and you hate him, whatever. But I, I don't think that I would change that. He can flat drive a race car. He man. can. Whatever yeah. you think of him, he can drive. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, so we talk about, all right, Chase gets his first win. We're talking about you getting your first two wins in the Xfinity Series back in the day. One, the first one was Dover. The next one was Martinsville. I know that in NASCAR, commentators and, and, and analysts and all that will talk about, like, uh, carrying the momentum and all that, kind of like it's a stick and ball team, almost like it's a, a different sport, like you carry momentum and like a win can give you momentum to the next one. I'll say personally, I don't know how much I ever bought into that because racing is just such a different beast because it's it's the equipment and it's the track setup and the equipment you have for that and the setup and all the testing and all this other stuff that goes into it. But by that same token, we talk we're sitting here talking about your first two wins back in the day. You went from Dover to Martinsville, and I don't those are pretty two different places. I would I would say to say the least. Is there something to that about carrying momentum? I mean, mentally, like is, is winning at Watkins Glen, is that is there somehow momentum you can carry into the next week's race, which is not going to be a road course? I mean, is there anything to that, really? It puts you, it puts you in a mindset, a better mindset that you can do this, you know. But I'm like you, Rick, the momentum part, the momentum part in racing, to me, I never, I never did buy into it because it's all about the race car and it's a mechanical thing. Right. You know, if your car is – if you get your widgets all lined up just right for that race and the car works very good and handles very well, those same widgets and most of what you're doing can parts of that can apply to the next week. You come up with something that makes your car work good at Dover, then you go somewhere next week, you're going to use that same stuff or try to use close to that same stuff or that direction you went with the chassis to do the same thing next week. And, you know, it's kind of like, Everybody talks about when Harry Gant won all those races I, in a I row. Was getting, I was going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Four or five in a row. That wasn't momentum. It wasn't momentum. That no. was a camera rear end. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't momentum. But at, at, at the same time, my deal at Dover back-to-back at Martinsville, two completely different tracks, two completely different cars, different setups, and the whole deal, it was just kind of meant to be that, you know, because I could go back three or four races before the Martinsville victory and look at, we should, why in the hell did we win the race today? We had, to, we had them covered. We should have won these races, right? What we were doing to the cars, we we should have won and we didn't win for whatever reasons. Are you saying those lines intersected at Dover and Martinsville? No, they hadn't intersected yet. I, oh, okay. I wasn't old enough yet for that. But, oh, okay. But it <laughs> uh, the momentum thing to me is not that it's it's a it's a it's a mechanical thing because of what you're doing with the race car and you find something with your race car where you're beating everybody else and you get on a roll and it's just working for you. The momentum part, I think, is just something that makes you feel better. It may, it, might, it may even make you work just a tick harder as a crew chief or an engineer or as a driver to spend, all right, well, that's as good as we can do. we got to get out of the garage here in 10 minutes. Let's cover it up. And if you just won three in a row, you got 10 minutes to go. Like, you know what? It ain't exactly what we want. we got 10 more minutes to, to work on something, right? So I think that might be what happens when you when you're very successful in winning you'll 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 maybe work maybe work maybe not harder but smarter than what you have been because believe me when you're not winning and not running good you work your ass off to try to get better there's nobody works harder than you trying to catch up it's just like a hendrick bus some of the guys i know on that within that team were on twitter last night and they're all thanking each other for all the hard work and, that, and that's true i know what kind of work they're doing uh, without even knowing what's going on, I know how hard they're working. And because when you're behind, man, it's very, very hard to catch up. But, you know, we'll see what goes on with that Hendrick Bunch. 
All right. Well, before because we got it, we got to move on to a current news topic and and shortly. But I got one more Watkins Glen thing I want to bring up. And you brief you did well. You didn't really allude to it, but you made me think of it much earlier in our conversation here when you talked about how at least back in your day the wives didn't usually come to uh, Watkins Glen. If I remember correctly, well, first of all, I think y'all referred to it as you had your restrictor plates off for the weekend. If I if I remember, I remember that saying being floating around out there somewhere. Maybe that wasn't you. I just remember hearing that somewhere along the way. Didn't you and some fellow drivers one weekend when all the wives were gone commandeer a golf cart and go hang out with the did fans? Did we talk about this on MassCast, Ricky? I don't know that we have. I think we did. I don't think we have, Dad. I thought we did. Did we? I think or we, I did it with somebody. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't want to give this story out again if we've already done it on MassCast. Well, I don't remember you telling it on here. Maybe you did. Heck, I don't know. Maybe you did. Ah, uh, we might have. Actually. I think we did. We did. You know what? We talked about it on the, for our uh, Sears Point episode. We did because that's with right. the end result, the SWAT team bringing us all back to the motorhome lot oh, at five o'clock in the morning. We've right. already talked about that. That's right. Okay. Yeah, if you want to hear a good story, folks, go back to that mask yeah. episode. Yeah, go back to the uh, the Sonoma episode or Sears Point and Finneon Road Course episode. Yeah, that's a little bit earlier this year. That's okay, right. good call. All right. Well, then I guess I guess we got to get into the news then. Whew. I. Uh, well, here I guess I don't. We don't. We usually keep it pretty light on here, or delve into racing history and that yeah. sort of thing. So I'll just, I guess the way to start, maybe I'll just for, for everybody that's <clears> listening <throat> to this has probably already heard, but I will at least just read the uh, the headline here. Man, we've been recording for a little while. Okay, there we go, and we have a mugshot now too. <laughs> uh, boy, you want to see it? Oh, let me see. Yeah. Oh, boy, he doesn't look happy. He's not a happy camper. No, okay, so the headline from TMZ. Oh, you know what? I think it's TMZ. You know what it stands for? I think it's Three Mile Zone. It's like apparently this infamous stretch or part of Hollywood where all the shit goes down, basically. Something like that. I could be wrong, but it's it's like it's referring to where all the stuff really goes down in Hollywood. I did not know that. There you go. TMZ, a couple hours ago. NASCAR CEO Brian France arrested for DUI and how do you pronounce that? Oxycodone? Oxycodone? Yeah. Not codeine? codeine? People around codeine. here call it Oxycontin. Yeah, Oxy. Oxy. I'll just go with Oxy. Oxy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, let's see. Oh, NASCAR has issued a statement. Uh, let's see. We're aware of an incident that occurred last night and are in the process of gathering information. We take this as a serious matter and we'll issue a statement after we have... All the facts. So, you want me to just run through this real quick here? What well, happened to you? I mean, he, he basically got pulled over DUI and had oxycotton, right? Yeah, oxy, oxycodone is what oxycodone, it says. Oxycodone, okay. I don't know. I don't know anything about drugs, so I don't know if that's the same. It might stuff be. That might be two different drugs. It could be. I yeah, don't know. I don't, I, I've just stuck to beer. You got a painkiller? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I never. The few times I've gotten hurt or had something where I had to go to the hospital and they gave me a painkiller, I always, I, my body never reacted well. Things by the way, by the way, I, I got the video. That was Ryan Blaney getting off the friggin' earth. Oh, was it? Good call, Ricky. Thank you. Thank you. I'm good for one every now and then. I'll be damned. It? it is him. He's cheering harder than the crowd. Yeah. Told you. Well, good for you, dude. Yeah. Good for you. That was him. I love oh. I love that Blaney kid. Oh yeah. He's he's awesome. He's fun to watch. Well, I loved him. his dad and his mom. Yeah, that cool. guy whole that's just a race. that's just a good American race. Buckeye family, Buckeye, though. what is he? The Buckeye. Oh crap. Now see now all right. See now I'm gonna have to look that up because <laughs> hang on, hang on. Dave Blaney. All right. Buckeye uh, Beast no, Buckeye Bullet. Buckeye. All right, that sounds right. The Buckeye Bullet. Buckeye something. All right, let's see. Dave. And his brother, Dale. He Dale. was a basketball player. He was a basketball player also. I forgot about I that. Big old yeah. tall lanky dude, man. He played basketball. All right, Dave Blaney. <clears throat> Buckeye. The Buckeye Bullet. Nailed it. Buckeye, Buckeye Bullet. Bullet. Okay. There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. And I remember when he was racing with us, man, he had, him and his wife, he had three, four, five kids running around everywhere, little tiny goods. And yeah. I guess one of them ended up turning up. <laughs> was Ryan, huh? <laughs> I, I, apparently, <laughs> he looks like him, so it must be him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about this. Well, to, well, you know what? Here's what I do want to say. First of all, all right, go ahead. I, listen, I get that it's news, and and he's going to go through the ringer as he should when this kind of thing happens because it's he's had <clears> incidents <throat> before. I don't want this to take away from what's going on in the sport right now with with what we had yesterday. It's well, gonna it's gonna overshadow it's, it's a little bit today. To, it's gonna to take over. I, I know, I know. I just it's to me. I just I care much more about what happened yesterday than I do the deal today. But it's it's. I don't know. I don't. What do you want to say about it? I don't know. Well, how, how you know, a guy. Yeah. 
it happens every day in America to everybody. And it shouldn't. That Those yeah. days are over. It's what I started out with. You know, be years and years and years ago around here, man. If he's drinking, that's kind of what everybody did. did get certain cars with a certain night, went drinking, partying, had a big time. They never had any troubles, really, you know, for the most part. And then, I did. And, 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 well, I mean, causing, <laughs> yeah. causing, causing accidents, I right. should say. Or at least people that I knew, it just didn't happen. And then what happened, you know, people started abusing that and people was drinking and driving and couldn't, shouldn't, couldn't do it. You know, and people's lives are starting to get lost. So they had, they had to stop that crap. There's, there's no about. There's no. I mean, I look back and think, man, we were a bunch of me and a bunch of my buddies. Everybody was fortunate in those days. It's just the way it was. It's the way of life. Right. You know? But those days, Ricky, those days are long, long gone. Yeah. And you know the deal here with France. I mean, he, the problem he's going to have is there's so much negativity about him on out in the social media. Anyhow, with fans, so much. So much, so negative that I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how he's going to overcome it. I mean, I guess he will, but the problem is, and you know this in sports world, anybody in sports, a sports figure get in trouble, they do things, and you've seen it and I've seen it both. Somehow or another, if they can get the sympathy of the fans, the fans will forgive them, you know, but you got to have sympathy of the fans for the fans to forgive you. And I've seen it. Many times. And then there's other celebrities and entertainers and all that have that trouble. They don't get the sympathy of the fans, right? Yeah. And consequently, they're never, they're never, they're never uh, released from it. You know, they're never forgiven for their, their, their offenses. And, you know, I'm afraid that might be where this one's heading. Well, I tell, you, I tell you this, there's no, no commissioner or head of a sports league is ever a popular guy and they just aren't. Well, that's part. They that's are, true. I, I'll tell you this. From what I've witnessed in my lifetime, when somebody takes over, we've seen it with, uh, with uh, from my perspective, when Roger Goodell took over the NFL for the first year or two, maybe I feel like he was uh pretty well regarded. People seemed to like him. He was, he seemed to be, he came in. I remember he was disciplining players harder and all that, which at first seemed like a good idea, the way he was running things. But now you're not going to find a more hated man in sports than Roger Goodell. Yeah, I know. I was commissioner, watching... Commissioners of leagues and heads of sports leagues, it's just a matter of time. They they might start out and there's a little honeymoon period there because everybody's ready for a fresh fresh vision, fresh leadership. And so I think people will give commissioners or the heads of sports leagues a little bit of leeway starting out. But ultimately, the destination, I'm telling you, is always everybody's going to hate them. And I think that's – I don't even think everybody's wrong to hate them or, or – Anything like that, I think it's just the nature of the beast that ultimately you're going to be the guy that just that has to do does does the things that people aren't going to like, and that's just part of. I remember Goodell at the at the NBA, at the NFL draft. Man, when he come out and announce every time he come out and announce a a draft pick, you couldn't hardly hear who what he was saying for the fans booing him. I'm Can like, you imagine what in the world did he do? What is it? What has he done? Make people so pissed off, this guy, right? What if you had a NASCAR draft, right? Oh. And Brian Fran, you had it in Hickory, like or something. And Brian France comes out to announce the draft. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the the crowd reception? For that? But but that is, I mean, I'm joking here, but I was, but that's kind of back to the point. Is there ain't a commissioner out there? Adam Silver from the NBA right now. I think he's still. I don't follow NBA that closely. I think he's still kind of in a. I think he's still pretty well regarded from what I've picked up, but I'm telling you, it's just ultimately there's a. It's, it, Who's your commissioner now? Who's MLB's commissioner? Uh, Rob Manfred. And he's still relatively new. Okay, are they booing him yet? Uh, <laughs> they well, will. They Give will. Give him they time. will. Yeah, I mean, he's still like I said, he's pretty new. He's uh, before him was Bud Selig, and and Mr. Right. Selig ran the sport for right. over two decades or right. ra- about two decades. So again, it's it's or I think we're still in the early on stages with Mr. Manfred. He's by all accounts doing a pretty good job. So far, he came down last year, and we opened a new ballpark in Atlanta, and and gave a nice speech, and it was very cool that he was there. So I think we're still pretty early on with him. We're all good there. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing with Brian France is everything that's negative about NASCAR, the fans directly point it to Brian France, right? Whether that's justified or not, I don't. I don't, you know, I'm not here. We're not going to debate that. But what I'm saying is, any, anything with a fan that when he thinks negative about anything about NASCAR. It immediately goes directly to Brian France, mm-hmm. and that's that's just the that's the hits he's taking. That's just where he's at, you know. And this this is not going to help that at all. No. So I don't. Well, oh Lord, bless I, his heart. Well, I had a, see, I had a range of thoughts on it because part of me is like, uh, I mean, 
Well, first of all, when I was much younger, I got in trouble for this sort of thing. Not the drugs part of it, but I got in drugs a long time ago when I was <clears> young, and it was stupid. And I'm, I'm, but I'm for me, I'm glad I went through it because it taught me a lot of life lessons, and I, I fixed things that I was doing wrong as a result of that. So, you, from that point, I can empathize with him from that perspective because if, if having been in that sort of situation, kind of, I you know I want to see people recover from it and get better, become better people because of it. But at the same time, I'm also kind of like, dude, come on. It's, it's with Uber and everything. I don't be beyond all the Uber and stuff. It's like, if you're a person that's pretty well off, you ought to be able to hire somebody that just can drive you around all the time. Personally, that's another thing I'm thinking. But then part of me, I go back to the empathy thing is like, well, what if the man really does have, have some issues, like some substance issues here. Then in that case, then I want him to, I want him to get better and get help and, and get it figured out. I mean, that's just, I don't know. I think I've just seen people that are affected by that stuff, and I just empathize, and I want them to get help and figure out and just become better as a result of it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too nice, but yeah. I just I see stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, man, you got somebody in a position like that that's in a good place or a good position in life professionally and everything, and I just, you just, I just want to see them get their personal life. Yeah, I mean, everybody, too, you know? everybody. I feel for people. Yeah. I don't care how rich, how liked, how disliked popular figure is. Like, uh, what's her face the other week ago? Demi Lovato. I couldn't name me a song she sang or anything she's done, but I saw she overdosed She was a girl that went and stripped the bikini to, to match oh. Bikini Girl on American Idol that time. Okay. Well, there you go. Now I know yeah. something about Demi Lovato. There you go. She was a judge with Simon Cowell. And, oh, was she? Yeah. She oh, okay. was three. I mean, the, the Randy Jackson. Okay. okay. I guess she was a judge one year, and then they had that girl, the contestant, was Bikini Girl. She'd come out singing in a bikini. Okay. She wasn't very good. She looked okay. Okay. But All then right. the one, one after one performance, the what's her name? Demi? Demi, Demi Lovato. Yeah. She had some kind of overcoat on, and she went on stage beside her and says, girl, you ain't nothing or something like that. And oh. took a coat off, and she's in a bikini. Oh, okay. Right? So yeah. that's, that's the only reason I remember this, this Well, chick. that's a good reason. Well, well, <laughs> well, well, see, the point is, like, I saw she, she's, <clears throat> uh, she had a little She's struggling. Yeah. So, and I'm like, I don't know anything about this person, but I hate seeing people struggle. Right. People with talent, not talent, whatever. I just don't like seeing it. And I want to see people like that. You know, we talk about Americana and rooting. I think part of Americana and being American, you root, we naturally want to root for the underdog and we want to see people. Even when we see we tear people down, we if you're part of the taking part in tearing them down, you want to see them rise back up and come through yeah. it better off on the other end. Yeah. So maybe, even if you hate Brian France, I still would like this all to have a happy <clears throat> ending where he's he's better off for having gone through this and the sport's better off for him getting better and all that. I, I just I don't know. I don't really want to realize. I felt like we needed to talk about it because it's it's definitely big news and we talk about NASCAR. I ultimately just want want this all to have a a happy ending where everybody's not not all up in arms and we're just talking about Chase Elliott winning the big race the day before and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know how the news is. The news cycles and the news, you know how it's going to go. I mean, yeah. well, at least we had, we had what, 18 hours or whatever of Chase winning before this crap hit. So yeah. this is this is what the journalists are going to dominate on for a while, and that's what they get paid to do, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And we're going to read about it and write about it and all that. Uh, but... Who knows where it's going to end? Well, we kind of do know where it's going to end up, sort of. You know how it's going to play out. But, uh, uh, you know, really, Ricky, if you think about it, 40, and I talked about this a while ago, and I'm not justifying any of it, but 40 years ago, the head of NASCAR gets busted for drunk driving. All the, everybody says, oh, I'll be damned. He got, he got busted. Yeah, that happened to my uncle yesterday. Back happened to me last night. He's a good old boy and all that. Well, <clears throat> that's the way it had been perceived at one time, right? Right. It ain't perceived like that today, you know, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Rightfully yeah. so. And, 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 and really, it's just a shame yeah, <laughs> that it had to happen not even a full friggin' day. After we, we chase one his victory, but yeah. you know what it it it'll it'll all work out. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I'll follow the Brian France thing, however it goes. But I'm already I'm so fired up about the race yesterday that I'm honestly I'm already thinking I'm like the Brian France thing. I'm like, all right, it's happening. I'll read about it, whatever. But I'm already focusing on the next one because now I want to see, I want to see what we've talked about. If 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 Hendrick breaking through yesterday, if Chase breaking through yesterday, I want to see if this can start carrying over. And if they, you touched on it earlier, if Hendrick found something, I am honestly much more invested and want to follow that and am fired up about following that than I am this story. This story, I think, will dominate for a day or two, but then I think it's over with. 
Oh, yeah. And then we, we go to the race next weekend, and we get back to business. Now, Where do we even fun. race next week? Do you know, Ricky? Well, right off the top of your head. Yeah, off the top of my head. If that was going to be my quote to See, Ricky. See, here's the problem. I can only do – I look about a day ahead. Yeah. I work in baseball. So I can tell you the Braves have a doubleheader yeah. tomorrow in Washington, D.C. with the Washington Nationals, right? All right. And we are a game and a half behind the Phillies. Right. And the Nationals are a few games behind us in third. Now, we've won, I believe, five of our last six. The, the Phillies, I think, have won five straight. The Nationals have won like eight out of their last 11. So what I'm telling you is I go one day at a time for the baseball season. Eh, let me take that back. I go maybe one series at a time. I know we got the Nationals. Okay. I think I know we're home this weekend. I couldn't tell you who we play this weekend. I don't follow it. That, that I, I'm, I'm very much like, all right, what's next? What's, the, what's tomorrow? What's the next day, right? So that is, uh, that, that's where I'm at. We're at Michigan. Very good. I was going to give you some hints. I was going to give you some hints. Ice cream country. That's an ice cream eating. It's a bunch of people up there. Really? You know, yeah, we were staying at, before motorhome days, we'd stay in Ann Arbor and drive through the country down through to Jackson, you know, through the hills and all. And it's like every three miles, dude, there's an ice cream stand. And every time I meet somebody from Michigan, I was like, you like ice cream? Yeah, I love it. I said, okay, you're not meeting anybody from Michigan that don't love ice cream. I'm telling you, it's more ice cream along these roads up there than any place I've ever been in my life. I, I don't know what, 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 I don't know why it just is. I'm going to be honest. If you told if that was your hint, I don't know. I wouldn't have got, I don't, I didn't realize that there was the, you, the ice cream in this bunch of eating people you've ever it seen. Is, it okay. is, it is, it is. And I don't know. I don't know. Even Kevin Hallam, old crew chief I'd had for years. He was from. I was. Oh, Frank. He was, was he from, from Michigan. Wasn't it Michigan? He was from Michigan. You couldn't do anything if they had to friggin' stop and eat ice cream. We'd be anywhere <laughs> at the racetrack, going through the racetrack, from the racetrack, Going testing, going in, motel, back anywhere. If there's an ice cream stand, everybody had to slam on the damn brakes. You have to stop and get Kevin ice cream. And that's when I started putting it all together. Okay, he's from up there where we always see the ice cream stand. So maybe folks listening to MassCast from Michigan can explain to us what the what the attraction is to having so many ice cream stands up there. I'm Well, I, I got a few guesses. Ice cream is friggin' awesome. That, well, I know it is. There's no different there than it is Virginia. Ricky. You're not. Are you big? You're not. Big I'm not ice that big. Guy. I tell you, who was a big ice cream fan. Was AJ? Oh, really? That man could put away. He could put two gallons. Of, I he believe could, that. He could eat a big old dinner and have a big two gallons of ice cream as dessert. I believe that. That boy loved ice cream. Now, see, if you'd have told me ice cream cat, I might have said Texas. That might have been my guess because Texas uh, seems like a place where they love, they love ice work cream. because it just melts too much. Oh yeah, you'd have to get it and eat it. And it melt. It would melt too much in Texas. Okay. Well, what what would be if you had what would be your next clue for Michigan if if not for ice cream? Do can you think of something else that would maybe give me a hint? Nothing, no, uh, no, no, no. Other than the accents. The accents, yeah. 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 Okay. And at ten o'clock at night, you go to the motorhome after practice or qualifying, and you go to the motorhome and you look to watch, and it's ten o'clock and the friggin' it's still light. Oh yeah, because yeah. of the time zone deal and how far west that place is. Yeah, that always threw screwed everybody up. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. There you have it. There you have it. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's a good place to wrap it. I got to get on the road and head okay. down to Atlanta. And if I yeah, if if I wait too much longer, the pool rooms live will be closed by the time I get down there. So they might have extended hours tonight. Well, that's true. This would be an excellent time for them to do so. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Well, MassCast, we will see you next week and after Michigan, as we now know. Dad, any final, any final words for the good folks out there? No, just everybody have a good week. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks, as always, for listening, everybody. If you haven't already done so, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on iTunes. It helps other folks discover our show. And we will see you next week on the MassCast. Cast.